This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio. Greetings for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is First and Foremost, American Unity, the National Purpose and Preamble 2.0. And joining me is the author, Richard D. Cheshire. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you very much. Uh, you are a doctor by earned profession and certainly have a remarkable history. You've written at least five books. This is the latest, and uh, if I may, I will refer to you by uh, informally as Dick on this interview. Sir, uh, this this book is uh, over 400 pages in length and certainly a, a very challenging type of book to, uh, to attempt. Why did you write this book? I wrote this book because I'm alarmed that top public officials in Washington are not living up to their oaths of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, so help me God. Mm. The founders thought of themselves as moral teachers. So I'm upset by the slack accountability in the rule of law by some government leaders, starting with its first principles in the Constitution. And before that, in Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence, in in which he said that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, uh, in my view, America is at risk of losing its soul as a genius of freedom in a constitutional democracy. And this has led to a leadership crisis seriously exacerbated by the coronavirus threat. Our moral authority is in question now. I wouldn't disagree with that whatsoever. It's a very complex world we're living in currently, and uh, you are highlighting yes, a is. very, very, very serious uh, issue. And uh, am you uh, struck by the passion that you have behind it? Your motivation, I guess, uh, would be uh, the rule of law seems to have been lost in the shuffle. And when you wrote this, you must have had a an audience in mind. Uh, your background dealing with um, executives and dealing with the common common person as well. Who was this book designed for, do you think? Well, the book is designed for all those who are engaged in one way or another uh, who will be considering the upcoming national, state, and local elections. Mm. Uh, uh, It takes no positions on specific issues or candidates. Instead, it frames the issues in relation to the first principles offered in the preamble. Readers, of course, will apply these as they see fit. But my uh, my deepest interest and, and, I think, motivation is in the idea of creativity, especially human creativity, how it has influenced 
freedom in America and the world, and particularly how Einstein's famous E equals MC squared universal law of creativity connects with a new I equals AM squared law of human relationships. So without getting into details about that, I see this as a pathway to solution that I have found in my research uh, is the first principles of America, which are the introduction of the Constitution we call its preamble. Uh, and, and these first principles need to become the foremost pursuits of the American people, which they are not now. I would agree with that. Now, Dick, when you began to write this, or not, as you completed this, what was the length of time it took to to research and complete this? This is a, a rather ambitious work of over 440 pages. Well, uh, one answer to that is that it took five years. Mm. The other answer to that is it took uh, five months. And uh, the difference is, the sequence of uh, components having to do with freedom, democracy, and justice uh, uh, were part, a big part, the big part of the five years, whereas the last five months were the setup in the introduction uh, and the conclusions that uh, follow at the final part of the book. And, and so that's kind of how uh, how that took place. This this topic that you have dealt with in, in your book, in your work, can be considered uh, complex in the issues and the... Uh, the background story was it was it something that everyone can read and and get something out of is this is this a book that would appeal to to a wide range of uh, of folks and uh, do you think there is one or two things that the reader will take away from this that hopefully will change their life well I, first of all i i think all who are concerned about america's leadership crisis are frustrated about it and want to do something to uh, fix it. Uh, and that includes people with a wide range of different views. And that could be millions of folks out there. The book is especially relevant to the issues that voters, I believe, will be considering in the upcoming national, state, and local elections. Uh, and as I said, it takes no positions on specific issues or candidates and instead, uh, it frames the issues in relationship to the first principles offered in the preamble. Uh, but the, uh, maybe the one thing most that I would like readers to take away from this is that every one of us is created, mm. and every one of us is creative. America's first principles can become the foremost pursuits of American citizenship today. They are the moral authority for national unity, and that is critical for our nation in the global world we have today. You have mentioned Albert Einstein in your analogy or analysis. Uh, how important is that to the storyline? What uh, is the significance of Albert Einstein and your work? He is the discoverer 
of the universal law of creativity. Mm. Uh, it is known as E equals MC squared. That's energy equals um, uh, mass times the speed of light squared. Now, how on earth? We, we've all heard of that <laughs> probably in primary school. Uh, few of us remember what it means. Uh, and I'm saying to folks, uh, this is fundamental to who we are and what we are as a, uh, as a world. Now, Einstein, uh, of course, was German by birth, but uh, uh, left Germany and Europe uh, for America, uh, fleeing the Nazis and uh, allowing enabling uh, uh, Einstein to become a naturalized American citizen, which he did. Hmm. And as the discoverer of, of the universal law of creativity, uh, he, ha- he became very famous around the world. He was a man that not only was perhaps uh, the greatest uh, genius of science who's ever lived uh, on the one hand, and on the other hand, uh, he was a man of faith. Uh, he was raised as a, a Jew. Um, he uh, did not attend uh, worship services, at least uh, seldom, uh, and he became very much interested in the unity of the world uh, the simplicity of how it could be understood, and the universality uh, to which it could be applied. And so Einstein, for me, uh, uh, is a hero, uh, an American hero, if you will, from of foreign descent. Yes. Uh, he, he never pursued the implications of his so-called relativity formula, that being equals mc square, he never pursued that for its human relations impact. And the proposition here is that this human relations formula, if you will, uh, provides the impetus of leadership that is equivalent to the actions of individual people as they are multiplied by the momentum of a unifying group. Now, that's a fancy way of saying simply I equals A-M squared. Mm-hmm. Impetus is the equivalent for the actions that transform into the momentum of people doing things together. Uh, and that is uh, the, that, that's the critical uh, point that I'm trying to use to support the concerns I have about American leadership and about what individuals, uh, the citizens of America, can do about it. Uh, the subtitle of your book, American Unity, The National Purpose and Preamble. I'm certain there are others who have attempted to explain this or give their uh, observations about the preamble. Is your book different from others out there, do you think? Uh, what what makes it unique? Uh, the book is one of a kind. Uh, it, it, what sets it apart 
from the crowd, if you will, is that it presents a transparent measure of America's quality of life, according to the benchmarks of the Constitution's first principles, as they're set forth in the preamble. This is a new idea. There's no other book like it out there that I've seen, heard of, or found. Uh, so the, the point here is that it's one of a kind, uh, and it is something that I think can contribute uh, uh, with some leadership, uh, can contribute to the easing of the party partisanship uh, that is going on in Washington and, of course, elsewhere around the country that I think is so dangerous for the future of our beloved country. And uh, uh, that is kind of the, uh, the way I look at it. Your sentiment is that this uh, necessity of getting back to the basics is uh, taking place right now in Washington, D.C., and around the country and around the world, as a matter of fact. And uh, you say right. politicians and others are are not paying or are paying attention to our loss of global leadership. And this loss has been expanding from your perspective and can contributes to a swelling global crisis. So this, to you, is something that is very important that the reader uh, grab a hold of and uh, internalize, get passionate about maybe uh, as much as you are uh, regarding this. Yeah, I I believe that America uh, is still, as it has been since at least World War II, the, uh, the leading... Uh, nation of the free world. Uh, and that is crucial because as the founders uh, understood and were committed to, uh, it was freedom that they were introducing. There, It was a world of monarchies in 1776 and then in 1787 when the, when the Constitution uh, was ratified. Uh, and the interesting thing ab- about this is that uh, freedom has actually gradually and in fitful starts uh, uh, grown across the globe mm-hmm. uh, and to the point where in the Cold War, uh, of I guess it went from right after World War II uh, to the early 1990s, maybe uh, it was 1991, I think, when uh, we recognized that the old Soviet Union was gone. It collapsed, and the Russian Republic supplanted it. And the um, American influence has uh, made us into a superpower. But that superpower is something that is uh, based on our economy, which has been immense in relationship to other economies, uh, based also in our military, uh, which is many times greater than any other military in the world, or in probably the first half dozen or so next largest militaries. 
But what we sometimes may forget is that it's also based on the political partnerships that uh, uh, America has created, whether it's NATO in Europe uh, or uh, any of a number of others around the world that have uh, made the assumption that we are uh, uh, in partnership with uh, autonomous nations uh, in a global uh, in, a, in a global setting that has now been made uh, significantly more important with uh, communications, social media, for Pete's sakes, uh, uh-huh. and we all know emails and messaging and so forth. And those messages can be transmitted, as we all know, uh, instantly. And so with that kind of situation, we, it, it makes it tougher, not only on our political leaders, but also on the public at, at large, uh, to get a grip on uh, uh, who we are as individuals and who our country is uh, or what our country is uh, as a nation. And so it's a, it's a challenging time in which to live. It absolutely is. And you need to be commended, or I commend you for tackling such a complex issue and uh, making it simple for the reader to understand. You have 440 pages. Uh, From my perspective, I would think there were some challenges. Were there some challenges that you had to uh, address in getting this to publication? Uh, I, I would say no is the short answer. But it did take time, <laughs> yes. which is not un- uncommon. And so uh, I, I do think that uh, it, the, the fact that we put together, uh, uh, my team and I, uh, uh, a, uh, a book which uh, encompassed a series of, of events and thoughts that led to where we are now uh, and to try to sum it up in a fashion that is understandable and, of course, most of all, uh, accurate and that, and that people would find to be useful. Uh, politicians, and particularly in high positions, whether it's in, uh, in Congress, the White House, the Supreme Court, uh, the folks in the high positions uh, that matter most to the future of our country. But it all comes down, doesn't it, to uh, uh, what the public thinks and what the public pressure is uh, uh, that the uh, political folks, the pl- public leaders uh, are feeling. Perception is a, is a major part of that, and thank you for taking a very complex subject and uh, sharing it in print, the title of which is, first and foremost, American Unity, the National Purpose and Preamble, my guest author, Richard D. Cheshire. Sir, where can my listeners get a copy of this and uh, mention a website if you have one? Bob, they can get a copy by going up to Amazon Books uh, and... Uh, downloading, well, they can download it on Kindle there, or they can pick up a copy 
uh, that would be sent to them are also there. Beautiful. Uh, as for uh, our, our, our group, Promise America Alliance, uh, .net is the website. That's I guess it's www.promiseamericanet, promiseamericaalliance.net, excuse me. Uh, I should get you straight to the website and uh, give you an opportunity to get a glance at uh, what we're doing and what we stand for and uh, how folks might be able to step in and help if they would like. Congratulations on this completion. And again, it's one of five books, I think, that you have uh, already authored. If you're doing a search, yes. listeners, you can list, you can do a search under the author's name, Richard D. Middle Initial and last name Cheshire, C-H-E-S-H-I-R-E. And find out a little more about this book and other, uh, other works in his publications and also uh, some of his history. Thank you, Dick, for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Jay. Well, honored to visit with you for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio. Greetings for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled More Stories by E. Initial, C. Initial, and joining me is the author from near Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Eugene St. Martin, Jr. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Thank we you. have visited before on some of your other books, but in uh, pre-conversations here, I understand this really is the first book that you ever ever uh, penned. Uh, share with my listeners a little of the uh, the background here. I know you uh, have a history, uh, at least a work history, of uh, taking care of tennis courts and uh, working in country clubs and doing some other things. Share with my listeners a little of your background and uh, what this particular book deals with. Okay, uh, I, I've i been a maintenance man for tennis courts, for uh, especially the clay courts, the uh, the green stone courts, and uh, and I've I did this in the daytime. In the evenings, I teach tennis in the parks, and uh, and I've been teaching tennis for oh forty forty one years, and I I did this maintenance job for over thirty years. But it, I, at this time, I was working in at a country club, an old country club here in my town. And I was the maintenance man in the daytime. In the evenings, like I said, I did tennis. And so I was around tennis, and 
also part of this book is that I uh, we talked to a very wise man and it, and some of the ideas I learned from him and my experiences I I did what I could to put them into little stories and so part of this book is about working around the tennis courts thinking about what is the meaning of tennis from raking leaves to to watching the shop in the in the middle of the day and looking out the window and looking over the parking lot and seeing the people come and meet and greet each other and then seeing the leaves fall mm. and then and then uh, uh part of it is a centerpiece is like a play between a maintenance man and a old tennis player about the uh purpose of tennis and then part of the book is uh, another part of the book, about a third at least of more, is where I worked at a hotel. I worked at the Belmont Motor Hotel, and I was a bellboy, night auditor, desk clerk, switchboard operator, and just the funny experiences that I had working around the hotel. You have a very positive attitude, obviously, and your book really is part uh, reflection and part philosophy. I, I'm reading from the first chapter, and it says, I believe there's an artist in each one of us. I believe there's an athlete in each one of us. Now, I've seen some folks who are not very coordinated. I'm not sure about that statement, but I I think you're approaching it from a positive standpoint. You have uh, another comment that says, each tree has its own exalted power to bear, as I believe its author, Willa Cather, penned. That was a lady, a writer, Willa Cather, uh, uh, a lot of books, and that was one quotation from her, her idea from one of her books. That's where I got that idea. It's a matter of finding ways to get the good shots that are inside of us, the gifts that are inside us out. And right. uh, so that, again, reflects on perhaps the uh, philosophical approach you've had uh, to observing life as well and individuals. Yeah, I think like in tennis, for example, rallying with the person, sometimes we, we use this little Nerf ball and we rally just over the line, over a line on the tennis court or maybe over small nets and and one way of teaching tennis is just to rally with a person, you know, using these, and maybe uh, let's aim it over here, let's say, come hit it to me here. But in that rally, and sometimes you can see a person has their own stroke inside, their own little, um, uh, their own swing inside. Mm. And it's kind of how to get that shot out, how to get those good shots out. And so that's a lot of my books are about that, kind of that idea of how to help get those those shots that are inside of us out, whether they're an artist or an athlete or whatever, you uh, know. Yeah, Chapter 5, you deal with, uh, a, 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 I don't know if it's a common reflection of, uh, of we humans, but it's titled Dear God. What is Dear God, what does that chapter deal with? Uh, obviously, besides the, the, the one that's in the forefront, but what did you reflect on in that particular chapter? Let me look it up. <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> I got it. I got it here. Hold on. It's, page, this, uh, it's page 55 in my book. Like making a, this is making like a, a, a creed for, for, for tennis teachers or teachers. It's about, um, first of all, about a coach's creed. Mm. You know, first, do, do no harm. And then it uh, – and help them to come up with their own – first, this is what it says – uh, there needs to be a coach's creed. May it read like this. First and foremost, do no harm. Love each and every student and oneself. Refrain from putting ideas in their heads all the time. Help them to come up with their own solutions. Make it be a cooperative effort, a shared mission. Teach the fundamentals. Go strong on the process. Keep the teaching and coaching in accord with the game itself. Keep it fun and light. 
The purpose is to help prepare the person for the game. And then get out of the way. Let them play. The play. Let them see the consequences. Consequences. Let them learn from their participation. Then work with them to help them get back in the game again. And thank God at the end of the day for being able to be a part of this process. So it's like a, a process, a philosophy of teaching. It's know, right. A right. tennis. I again have a a friend who is a well known, at least in the teaching circles, a well known teaching pro, also a coach at a major university. Uh, tennis taught him a lot, I believe, beyond just the game, and that I think is also the underscore or the underlying theme of your of your reflections. Is that a good way to describe it? Yes, sir, it is. I think, t- in my case, is tennis, but I think probably any discipline that a person really takes to and really studies it and practices it and learns from it and learns from the mistakes and learns from the winners, you know, and, and, and goes on and applies it. It's a process of learning. It's a journey, like they say, the journey of learning, you know, versus the outcome. And uh, I think whatever discipline we might be in our lives, if we possibly look at it that way, your, your books that you've penned, uh, are they based on a diary, a, uh, a, a series of notes that you've retained, or do you have just one of those incredible memories that some authors no. have? I, I kind of live it. it. For me, writing is like breathing. So, like, for example, with this particular situation in my life, I would be walking around, I'd be raking leaves or something, and then maybe I'd have an idea, I'd go take a piece of cardboard, like from a tennis ball box or something and write the note down and take it home but but sometimes it just comes and once in a while it just comes it's only a couple of times one story in here is one of those times where it just came and all i could do was just take a piece of paper and write it down but most of my stuff is kind of living it out from living it at the belmont the story on the belmont sometimes i would go home at night and write down a little idea what happened that night some kind of memory some kind of idea and then as I, in that particular story, I, I kind of went back 20 years after I'd worked for that as a hotel, and I walked through the grounds, and I did what I could to remember the different stories and funny things that happened in different places as I walked through the grounds. That's how I did that one. Incredible. But most of my, most of, most of mine, Jay, are just living, and it's about my life, you know, and, and I've learned some wonderful things, and, and I was lucky enough to put them together in a story in this particular book. This is really, I think, one of my best books. And also in the middle of this book, a lady told me about this uh, uh, book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain by Betty Edwards. Mm. where you, uh, It's a beautiful book, and because I was outside all the time and seeing you know, visual things, she thought maybe I might could do this. And 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 I and I so I bought it one winter, and I started doing the exercises in there, and 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 sure enough, I I was able to draw some some things, and so I used those drawings that I did to, to illustrate this book. Really? Amazing! <laughs> so it's fascinating to know I had something I didn't even know I had. <laughs> but her theory is, you take a picture and you turn it upside down, and you see you just what you see right there you you draw the edges and the and how they how they the, and how they come together lines and just do that keep your eye right on that and when it does you kind of get you out of that analytical part of your mind and get you where the part of your mind is where there's the flow and the beauty and the music 
Well, I, I noticed uh, many of the illustrations in your in your book, and I was uh, curious about those. You've just answered that question. That's a remarkable skill that you have uh, also developed. You mentioned yeah. also that there were some humorous things that are recounted in your book. Uh, is there anything you can share with my audience that may get them curious about that particular chapter or that particular event in your life? May I may I read a one uh, one little story that was a story it's 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 not humor so much but it's just a story that came came through me sure it's, I've never only had a couple of them. it's a page and a half a page and three fourths got the time go for and, it. And, and and this was this was just like like I say I was working and I, where I worked there was a shed a maintenance shed and and I had a bench and they had a big old oak tree right under over me a lot of times. And I would stop and look at people, watch people play tennis, and uh, and 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 it just sort of came that day. It's it's the one of the few things I ever did where it just came. And mm. so it says, "Today I will live in beauty. Today I will be like a tree, erect in posture, connected to the earth, growing up to the heavens, warmed by the sun's energy, cooled and washed clean by rain. As the wind blows through my branches and leaves." I will bend and flow with the wind always moving back to my true center, supple and flexible, forgiving and giving. My breath will be from the ground up. My strength will be from the ground up, always keeping to the root, then working up towards the limbs and branches, still mindful of the whole. I will receive and I will give the breath of life back into the world. Birds will build their homes in my branches. Children will climb on me to lift themselves up. My shade will comfort workers in in their rest. The sound of my leaves and the wind will soothe people's souls. The sight of my leaves falling will be rich for people's eyes, helping them to remember it will be soon time to stop, to rest, and to visit their loved ones. And finally, my wood will go back to the earth so that other plants, trees, and creatures will love and live. Though for now, I simply breathe in and out flowing with the wind, reaching up towards the heavens from this ground, all the time feeling the energy of that breath going in and out of me, extending up to the toward the sky in thanks. Beautiful. And your <laughs> prose, in some regards, is almost like a poetic approach to writing. You have uh, only 140 pages in this book. Uh, how would you describe this to someone who may be curious about it? Uh, where can we get a copy of it? Uh, you can uh, you can get a copy of it through uh, iUniverse, um, the bookstore on the internet, iUniverse.com, and Barnes and Nobles and Amazon.com. And this book has been translated into an audio book by, uh, by a man named Tom Bauer, who's a young actor, and it's a beautiful audio book. And, uh, and you can get that on Audible. And it's like I say, it's. I took some ideas that I learned from a very wise person, talking to him over many, many, many years. As a Dr. Feigley, Charles Feigley, and and then I somehow did what I could to write them into into a little, put them into little stories. And then the last third of it is my all the different funny experiences working at the Belmont Motor Hotel. Phenomenal. And uh, that's that's kind of it. And I wanted something to be light and something kind of funny. I believe that you know actually, readers will enjoy it. It's a beautiful book. 
It's a beautiful book. It is. It's lighthearted, and I would say necessarily lighthearted, but it's a light reflection at least. It's certainly positive, and uh, it is a, a wonderful testimonial of your personality and your your purpose that you have uh, carved out in life as not only an author but in other areas of, of work. Uh, this book is titled, again, More Stories by E Initial, C Initial, Eugene St. Martin Jr. is my my guest. Uh, listeners, you can do a request at your local bookseller. You can also do a search online and find out about this and other books that have been penned by Eugene. Sir, uh, thank you for sharing your story, and best of luck. I'm sure we'll be visiting in the future. Uh, this, again, yes, is a yes. very light read, but it also is uh, one that causes you to think. I, I, I would, again, describe it sort of like poetry, but prose. Uh, I don't know if that's a correct way of doing it or not. It also is illustrated by E.C. or Eugene. Thank you, sir, for for being a part of today's program, sir. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks all the listeners for taking a moment to listen to us. Phenomenal. And and thank you. My pleasure for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. When your focus is to lose weight or maintain your present weight, exercising effectively to burn the most calories is crucial. You want to give yourself every advantage to burn as many calories as possible. One good tip is to do your strength training exercises standing up so you can keep your heart rate up Another tip is to perform multi-joint exercises when you can. For example, as you're doing a forward lunge, add bicep curls while you're coming up from the lunge. Another example is to execute a wide squat. And as you're coming up from the squat, perform a shoulder press. By doing these multi-joint exercises, you're putting more demands on your body, keeping your heart rate up, and working more muscles at the same time. The goal is to burn the most calories during that workout. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio. Greetings for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. The title of the book is Walking in Love and subtitled Why and How. And joining me from Los Angeles is the author, Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the program, Suzanne. Happy to be here. This is an interesting work because of your background. Maybe not surprising because of your background. You've written other books, but this uh, tells a little or maybe delves into a little more of your history. Uh, You were uh, active as a a licensed minister in the Episcopal Church at one point for a a few years, had some health changes, and then have decided that music was really a passion that you wanted to re pursue and are doing so at the present time. This book, Walking in Love, is 88 pages. And explain to my listeners a little of the motivation behind it. Why did you feel a passion to share your uh, take on faith and faith walking? Well, this this is driven by, you know, my health history over the past dozen or so years, and especially the past four years, because I, among other things, I've been plagued with different uh, health problems. 
off and on during my life, and most of which were difficult to understand. Right. But they were basically finally four years ago tracked down to a common autoimmune disorder. But the point of all this is that I'm 82 years old. I'm a, I'm in excellent health now because uh, four years ago they finally got the diagnosis correct and were able to start treating some of my my little uh, maladies, some of which were fa- were were fatal if if <laughs> if not fixed. Wow. So when they treated my maladies, excellent excellent uh, doctors, they um, I'd been sort of disabled for about uh, you know ten years. Hmm. I continued to work, but I'd had a big a, a really bad heart attack, and I couldn't um, didn't have the stamina to, to go into a you know a work location and work you know, 40, 60 hours a week. Yeah. So the government was very nice to me. They like, they still liked the stuff I did very much. So they, a lot, they arranged for me to work out of my house and set up my teams and, and do all that. That was, that was very nice. But when finally I got diagnosed properly, the cure was, it was almost instantly. All they did was, uh, my, my immune system had eaten up my thyroid function. Ouch. And so they just found the right kind of thyroid medication, and in 24 hours, boom ba! Wow. Here comes my here comes my energy all roaring back, and I am a high energy person. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incredible testimony, right in itself. I have a friend who has an autoimmune system uh, issue and has been dealing with that for a number of years, uh, the thyroid in specific. So you are very uh, blessed to have, have dis- had that discovered and, and uh, have it uh, on the mend, for sure. Your book, uh, you also had some motivation or some inspiration from uh, Bishop Michael Curry, who uh, was the presiding mm-hmm. bishop at uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's uh, wedding, if I, if I understand his history. Uh, yes. why, why did that motivate you a little bit? Well, because I, I've known I've known Michael for quite a long time when he was a rector of a parish in, in Baltimore, Maryland. Hmm. Michael is his is, is precious. He's priceless. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's 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 such a loving person. And you know, it was like you know, how are we going to get through some of these messes that people are confronted with now? And he's talking about love, and that's what I have been learning my whole life piece by piece, step by step. So the motivation for the book was really to boil down all this experience I had into a fairly compact, simple thing that anybody could take and use to uh, get on track. Your your book is definitely approaching it from a positive standpoint, uh, regardless of what your history was with health and other things. I would look at it in some ways almost as a, I won't call it a Bible or devotional study, but it sort of is in that vein. Would you describe it that way yourself? Well, that's exactly so, because uh, as a young teenager, I became interested in, you know, developing the spiritual side of me. Hmm. Um, and I, I I just kept doing that. And I learned so much from so many people, beautiful lessons, and they're very, they're very powerful. So this has been, that spirituality is, has been the rock that has, <laughs> has carried me through some fairly hard times. Yes. I want to pass this on. 
You've described this also as a book for seekers, mm-hmm. and that phrase seekers has uh, become, a, I yeah. won't say a catchphrase, but it's been one that has been used consistently over the last several years mm-hmm. in those churches that are, I'll call them evangelical, or, or, or wanting to reach out to the community with a faith message. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is really a seekers book uh, also in, in some regards. All of my books are, are for, for seekers, for people who have this itch that they're not quite sure how to scratch. Mm. And my religion laid that out for me really clear. <laughs> and so that, that's, that's what's so cool. And I just wanted to, uh, and so my, my health maladies and my uh, religion all sort of come, come together because it boiled down to, you know, a, a, really a set of four basic beliefs that you needed to have under your belt in order to, from what I understood, and I, I got some really good teaching at seminary. I was taught New Testament Greek by really wonderful professors, and it just opens up the the whole uh, all scriptures to you. It's, it's 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 a beautiful thing. So it's a process that I say Jesus was teaching people how to get through life. There's the afterlife to conserve, but um, you know, there's there's a there's a bit of heaven that can be had in the current life if you go about it right. Absolutely. So, for example, I'm I'm uh, I'm racially mixed. That's never been a big problem, but um, it's given me access to uh, lots of communities. And one thing I learned very early, it just touched my heart, was I grew up in the southeastern part of the country. Uh, you know, long ago, and black folks, you know, had a hard life to hoe. That's true. In many cases. And I would watch in awe when they would be working under misery, that they would be singing. And it was the joy (laughs) that was, you know, keeping them alive. And that is so powerful. And you can also draw on your, you know, I, I drew on all my heritage. I am an American, you know. I'm I'm the mix, <laughs> and uh, well, most of us are kind of uh, mixed or mixed up. All, I mean, that's really? the way we are. Yeah. <laughs> we, well, yeah. Mi- well, first, well, everybody get everybody's mixed, and then we get mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, an interesting and fascinating background, and your observations of uh, those who mm-hmm. are handling stress by uh, relying on their faith and a positive outlook certainly mm-hmm. is uh, one that is a. A, uh, a message that will ring true with most everyone who reads your book. You have um, several several chapters, eight in total, but again, it's a, a short read, 88 pages, not a long and arduous task. You have uh, also described this as, uh, as a book that is non-dogmatic. It's just those that will hopefully uh, create a hunger for those that have a passion for faith. Uh, I think that's a, a, an admirable way to approach a subject that can be sort of daunting for some. Uh, now, this the readership for this, uh, would you describe this as uh, one that will also maybe appeal to those who are not part of the faith community? Oh, exactly so. That's a major focus. Wonderful. Um, because it's about, it's grounded on human, on what do we have in common as human beings. And within the religious community, there's been a sort of a breakdown in authority. You know, once upon a time, if uh, your local pastor told you, you know, do this and don't do that, 
you know, that was pretty dependable. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but the world has gotten so complicated and so challenging and people have gotten cynical and the old ways of authority don't work for people who have no, who have no, had not had that, uh, other spiritual background. So I learned God is like, God was leading me, Suzanne, you know, this is how you approach people outside the church. Because if you say, do this because I say so, mm-hmm. they'll turn off immediately. Absolutely. But if you say, this is what I think is going on, test it with your own human experience. And if it tests, if it confirms, take another taste. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, that's really at the core of, of, of doing this is if you're a person who doesn't have a lot of religious experience per se, but you're, you know, you're a good person and you, you have this hunger. This is a way to find what for me, from my Christian background was a way to not only feed that hunger, but also to thrive. And, and I tell you, buddy, I thrive. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) When I, when I'm up, when I'm up singing, the joy is just lighting up the lighting, lighting up the place. <laughs> well, that's that's the way it's supposed to be, anyway. I think uh, if you are a person of faith, uh, your faith should be shining through from inside to the outside for every uh, person that's uh, in contact with you. Your chapter five has some wonderful subtitles in it as well. The main title of which is "Walking in Love: The Process," uh, "Walking the Walk," "Building Trust in the Goodness of God." communicating with God, the results of the testing experience, and the results of the process. So I think it's a step-by-step logical approach to faith and Mm -hmm. faith walk, for sure, from what I'm seeing here. This is, uh, again, a short read, 88 pages. Were there any challenges in writing this, Uh, besides the fact that you have had some health issues in the past? uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me me about your singing experience currently and how that record and recording got produced. Well, you see, when I was 22 years old, I was singing for a living Mm. and loving it. And then I lost my singing voice. And the doctors, you know, said, you know, your things are happening to your vocal cords. And we don't know why this is happening. So we can't do anything. Good luck, but goodbye singing career. Wow. So that really made a big change in my life. And when I got the treatment for my thyroid, about a month after I started taking the new medication, my singing voice, I was, I'm still a musician. And so I, but I would wander around the house humming <laughs> tunes. And, and all of a sudden I said, ah, I'm singing. Beautiful. And I got to tell you, I, I cried for about two hours. Uh, wow. Tears of joy. And so none of this worked. The title of your, your album or your, your music project is It Ain't Over Till It's Over. I think that is a positive uh, underscored message for sure. It, it really dovetails into the uh, title of your book, too, Walking in Love. Would that be a good way to describe it? Oh, exactly so, because the really important thing is, no matter how dark is it, it is in your life at the moment, it's a matter of discipline. Always choose life over death. If you have a possibility of life versus a certainty of death, that's a pretty easy choice. Yes, it you is. Have to undergo, you have to undergo a, little, a bit of suffering. 
Uh, suffering is, in my, in my perspective, suffering is not a noble thing. Suffering is a thing to be tolerated <laughs> in order to get to the, to get to the other side. But um, right. uh, if I had, and I've had some real misery uh, health-wise, if I had checked out under those conditions, and there's, there's, so there's temptations to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I really understand, understand that. God, look at what I would have missed. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> two years ago, I'm in with a singing group in the nave of Old St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, Ireland. Ooh. We're singing. We're, we're singing to this huge worship space at an international choral festival, and it is packed to the gills. And we are singing gospel. The Irish people just went berserk. Absolutely. And and I got to tell you, I am just here. Is they call me baby sister. Uh, <laughs> um, here's here's baby sister front and center singing first soprano, just singing my little heart out. Wow. And if you don't think that, if you don't think that is a trip, oh. <laughs> that is a, that is a pure living joy. And, uh, <laughs> well, you, you have a, a fascinating story and, uh, I think my listeners will want to get a copy of your book for sure. The title of which is walking in love, why and how Suzanne Miller has been my guest author. Suzanne, where can my listeners get a copy of uh, of your book and uh, maybe tap into your music as well? Yes, I and I, and I hope so because uh, you know instead of just saying words, hey, read the words, listen to the music, and and I tell you, uh, you were asking about what the challenges were for me to write the book. Yes, there were no challenges. I am a product of this process. And so I just have to say it right out. I've learned to walk with the Lord. Beautiful. And and the Lord just, he doesn't tell me where the road leads because he knows I just get freaked out, scared sometimes. <laughs> 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 but he just drops the breadcrumbs along the way. And so it's very here and now kind of thing. So he poked me in in the butt, kick me in the butt and say, write. Hmm. And I'd sit down and I'd say, okay, yeah, I ought to write something about this. And I'd write something. And then it happened again, and it happened again. And after a while of this, I'd look at it and I'd say, oh, look at this. It's all organized. It's all got a coherent uh, structure to it, mm-hmm. and I'll put I'll put it together in a book. Now that sounds like a, a wacky way to write a book, but mm-hmm. that's the way I've written all three books. Incredible. So <laughs> the Lord is with me, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can do a search under your name, Suzanne S U Z A N N E Miller, and uh, find this and the other works, of course. And uh, also, they can uh, do a search under the name of the book, "Walking in Love." I'm sure Amazon <laughs> and the other online retailers will have copies of this, and iUniverse as well. Thank you for sharing your story, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, get some traffic maybe for your music, get people acquainted with you a little bit uh, more in-depth. This 88-page book is easy to read, and it has some very inspirational and positive positive commentary that will uh, inspire the, the, the reader. So thank you again for sharing your time with me today. Well, now there's one final thought that's sure. important. I also have a website. Wonderful. It's www.com. SuzanneRMiller.com. Excellent. If you go to the website, you can preview all three books, 
And you can also look at my CD and test play one of the songs. So, <laughs> well, that's where, uh, that's where I'm heading after the interview. By the way, I just yeah, I'm I'm anxious to hear that myself. Uh, thank you for sharing that information. Thanks again, and hopefully in the near future we'll be able to visit again. You bet. Thank you much for the call. My pleasure for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.